Hello everyone and welcome to a bonus episode of Added Time. Now, this has been coming for a while and following the recent results, it feels now that this is the time for me to do my Leicester episode. And I'm going to rant, I'm going to rave, I'm going to try not to swear too much because I want it to be coherent. And I also don't want to come across as too ranty, you know, I don't want to come across as one of them ranting idiots that you hear on TalkSport and various other places. But I need to get this off my chest. And I'm not going to be doing anything groundbreaking here, I'm not going to be telling you things that others haven't already said necessarily or anything that's not been blindingly obvious anyway but I just feel that it's time for a fan like myself to just say it how it is and how actually as a fan base we and when I say we I mean Leicester fans are feeling so I want to start off by saying I love this football club. They have been the one constant in my life since I was seven years old. I'm now 37, 38 in a couple of months and there's not been a single year in between that where I haven't been a Leicester fan. I've had a season ticket Every season since 2003. Before that I was going to games, membership, all that sort of stuff that you usually do. Went to as many games as I can. I literally went and bought a season ticket within a week of me passing my driving test. And the reason I wanted to learn to drive was so that I could take myself to Leicester games. But anyway, that's enough about me and the history of of why I support this club. But I just wanted to start off by saying, I'm going to spend the next few minutes or the entirety of this podcast slagging this club off. But I just want everyone to know, don't be fooled by what I say, I fucking love this football club, right? And that's why it hurts so much to see what has happened and what is happening right in front of our eyes right now with Leicester. Anyone that's been a regular listener to this podcast will know that I have said that Leicester are down for a number of weeks now. And as the saying goes, it's always the hope that kills you. And I expected something a bit more from the players in the last couple of games. And it's not happened at all. It's not happened at all. Let's talk about the Liverpool game. Started off, first 20 minutes, some intensity, some fight, you know. But that quickly, that quickly stopped and we concede the first goal, absolutely awful defending. And then before you know it, it is 2-0. And that is pretty much game over. Now, even... Even when Leicester were flying, and even when 
Leicester were top of the Premier League. And I've said this numerous, numerous times, that as good as Leicester have been over the last few seasons, I expect at least eight to ten defeats a season to come from the big six. So don't get me wrong, under normal circumstances, I would think a 3-0 loss to Liverpool. Well, it's Liverpool who are really, really pushing for Champions League. But Leicester are in a relegation battle. They're on 30 points and they play with no passion, absolutely no fight whatsoever. Harvey Barnes was being kicked to pieces in that first half. Now, I am very, very critical of Harvey Barnes. I think he's a fantastic footballer. But when he has to get stuck in, he doesn't want to do it. Okay? Now, he was being kicked to pieces. Because if if there was any sort of game plan, and I'll come on to that a bit later, if there was any sort of game plan, you could see that we that Leicester were potentially targeting Trent because we know why. Trent does have defensive errors in him. Much better going forward. I'm not telling you anything new there. When Barnes was being kicked about, not one of our players was getting in their faces. Not one of our players was in the referee's ear moaning or, you know, trying to trying to convince the referee to do something in terms of a booking or anything like that. We just stood there and let players be kicked to pieces. As much as I hate seeing it, you know, you saw Jordan Henderson giving it to the referee. We haven't got anyone like that. And that's because they do not give a shit. They've down tools. Not every single player is down tools. But I'm sorry that these players are now working their notice. It's well documented and well highlighted that we've got seven players out of contract in the summer including the likes of Yuri Tilleman and Carlos Soyuncu. Soyuncu has agreed a deal and he is moving. And according to Fabrizio Romano, Tillemans has got a number of offers on the table. However, he is fully dedicated to the final two games of the season. I'd have preferred it if he was fully dedicated, probably from about 10 games to go. Now again... I will reiterate, Yuri Tillemans is a fine footballer. Excellent. One of the best midfielders I have seen play in a Leicester shirt. And we've been fairly blessed over the last few years. Cambiasso, Kante. And he's right up there in terms of that quality. But he's not interested anymore. Two years ago... That man gave me the greatest, one of the greatest days of my life in terms of football. When his goal helped Leicester win the FA Cup. And once everything settles down and dies down, don't get me wrong. There will always be a place in my heart for, for Yuri Tillemans for that alone. But he's just not doing it anymore. He's not running and 
like I said, ultimately, what's happening is he's working his notice. He's not going to go and start kicking players or putting a big early tackle in because if he gets badly injured, if he breaks a leg, if he snaps his Achilles, if he does his ACL, no one's going to buy him. And you know, they're not going to buy a player that's got a, an injury that big. It effectively leaves him unemployed until he's fit again and someone will sign him. And then the timing has to be right. Well, in fact, he'd be a free agent so he could sign whenever. But he's not going to put his effort in. Now, I don't want to pick too much on James Madison. A lot has been said about Madison in the last few few weeks his social media outbursts, uh, the fact that he deleted his Twitter after the Bournemouth game. And when he came out after the Fulham game and said the players aren't showing hunger and then and then had the audacity to come out and try and double down on that. You said what you said, mate. Now, again, a fine, fine footballer. He's got his move lined up. He knows where he's going next. In fact, <laughs> I wouldn't even I wouldn't even play him on Monday against Newcastle for obvious reasons. And again, he's working his notice. Does not look bothered. One bit. I believe he has got fight and I believe he is passionate, but it's purely from a selfish point of view in terms of he wants to do it for him. He doesn't want to do it for the team. That's how it comes across. Wilfred and Diddy. At one point, easily, in my eyes, granted I'm very blinkered at times, in my eyes, and Diddy was one of the best defensive midfielders in the country. Potentially one of the best in Europe. I'm not saying the best, but in terms of a holding midfielder, I felt like he was up there and could have quite easily got a move to a to a big European club. He was known for his for his tackling. He was top of the tackling charts every single season. Now there was a stat that came out after Monday's game and this this just sums up what it is I know he's had injuries and I know at one point there was he was off uh, not playing because of some personal issues which it happens and they are human at the end of the day but in the last three games that Ndidi has started he has not made a single tackle okay in the previous five seasons there has only been one game where Ndidi has played and he has not made a tackle. That, to me, is one of the biggest indicators of a player that is either fell off a cliff completely in terms of ability or just doesn't want to be there anymore. And there are a number of other players that I can look at. Dennis Pratt, absolute disgrace. His performance against Fulham... Awful. 
you know, and I, it just frustrates me as a fan because we can all get overly emotional about this and we can all say things like, I'd give anything to be on that pitch and I'd give it everything, I'd run until I was sick and blah, blah, blah. We're not in that position. But that is why it is so frustrating because they are in that position, they've got the opportunity and they do not look bothered. Now this brings me on to the sort of the team selection anyway. So I think it's quite worrying from from a Leicester fan's point of view. It's worrying that since Smith has come in and he's been in charge for what, six games uh, around that, that Dewsbury Hall doesn't seem to be able to get a start. Suter, Harry Suter, gone completely off. You know, what? what's happened to him? Christiansen isn't getting a game. We don't see what happens day-to-day in training. Maybe it's something to do with that. But I can't imagine with Kane and Dewsbury Hall it is anything to do with lack of desire. He is a Leicester fan through and through. He is Leicester born and bred. And okay, he might lack the quality to play at the very, very top level. But what you will get from you from Kane and Dewsbury Hall is a player that will run and run and run. Now, the when Leicester have won this season, and I know it's very few and far between, other than the Wolves game, every other every other game that we've won this season, Dewsbury Hall has started. That's one of those stats that you could say, well, yeah, well, well, every time you've won, uh, Jamie Vardy started or whatever. We saw it on the first game of the season. We were 2 0 up against Brentford. And Dewsbury Hall scored. Everything looked great. He then gets substituted by the then manager, Brendan Rogers. And. The entire backbone, any engine, any heart or anything disappeared in that midfield and we end up drawing the game 2-2. And you can point to a number of occasions where that's happened. Whether he possesses the ability or not to be to be classed as a baller or anything like that, the guy runs and runs and runs and has got passion and he wants to play. So it baffles me as to why he isn't playing. Very strange. Uh, I don't quite get it at all. And you point, you know, that once all of this settles down and the season is finally over and we've got time to digest the fact that Leicester are relegated and playing in the championship, there will be moments that people will say, that's the moment I knew Leicester were done. That's the moment. You only have, you can go right back to the first game of the season when Leicester were 2-0 up and drew 2-2 to Brentford. And then after that, an absolutely awful run which resulted in one point from the first seven. And we know all about that as well. So... I felt for 
Jamie Vardy. He was interviewed by LCFC TV after the game, still in his kit. And he genuinely looked close to tears. And in fact, at one point, I think his voice even, even went. He is devastated. And considering he is someone that joined the club 10 years ago or whatever it was, yeah, 10, 11 years ago, Sheffield born, Sheffield Wednesday fan, he loves this club, absolutely loves the club. He's had opportunities to leave. He's had opportunities to move. But he, he loves it. He loves this football club and he is hurting. And I actually think that ex-players, those that especially those that have been there recently, I think a number of them are hurting as well. I can't imagine Casper Michaels sat there in France seeing what's going on and enjoying it. He's I bet he's devastated. Even Riyad Mahrez, who gets booed every single time Leicester play Man City, even he has come out and said, I really hope Leicester can get through this and survive and stay up. They're showing more bloody passion than some of these idiots. (sighs) A number of fans left as early as half-time the other night. Some probably even left as the second goal went in because the reality is, and again, I know we were playing Liverpool, but you know we're in a situation where you need to be playing your heart out. And what's disappointing is you see it from the other teams. I've watched Forest recently. I've watched Everton. I've watched Leeds. And the fight that they are giving. And I'm sorry, those... Forest and Leeds especially, for me, player for player, do not have the quality of player that Leicester do, yet they're showing fight. And do you know what? Some of the football that Leeds or Everton, you know, under uh, under Allardyce uh, and Dyche respectively, the football that they play, do you know what? Okay, it might not be the prettiest, but I tell you what, give me flipping long ball up to some big lump up front who might knock it down for someone to put it in over whatever style of football we're currently playing at the minute. Give me that any day. Because the the style of football at the minute, there is not, there isn't an identity. There is nothing. I get that Dean Smith has come in with less than 10 games to go. And statistically, historically, no manager in the history of the Premier League who has been appointed after March with the idea of keeping a team up, team up has managed to keep a team up. Even Sam Allardyce has got a relegation on his on his CV. West Brom went down. And Dean Smith's coming into a club, like I say, where a number of the players... Those that are out of contract in the summer are effectively working their notice. It's like me being at work and trying to talk to someone who has handed their notice in and trying to talk to them about hitting targets and doing all of that sort of stuff, you know, the the day-to-day stuff, when they've already handed their notice in. They've already planned their, their leaving party and all of that sort of stuff. It's like talking to a brick wall. I actually feel a little bit of sympathy for for Dean Smith because 
he probably thought I can come in and and I I've this is a talented group of players, and if I can just get them to run through some brick walls for for eight games, all I'm asking for is eight cup finals. I might be able to do something with this team. But unfortunately, he's gone into a club where most of the players have either already already know where they're playing next season or are already planning their holidays. Harvey Barnes does an interview with Sky where he basically said, and look, I might be taking this out of context. I've only seen a snippet. He basically said, none of the players want to want to leave having just been relegated so that means that they're talking about it it's probably no secret I could imagine the Belgian players are all there in their little clique and you know you've got Castagna going yeah well my, yeah, my agents come to me and, and I've got a chance to go to Inter Milan and bloody hell look at Inter Milan they've, they've just made the Champions League final fuck you know what, what, why, would, why would I put any effort in here I don't mind Castagna. I do think that he does try. I just think uh, he's he, he's declined massively. Injuries have probably played a part in that. You know, Yuri Tillemans, he, he knows he's off. We've known as fans that he's off. And it just does not... You know, for Harvey Barnes to come out and say that says to me that he already knows he's off. Now, the difference between him and the other players, like Tillemans, etc., that are out of contract, Harvey Barnes is contracted until 2025. Contractually, he's with us for another two seasons. He should be coming out and saying, shouldn't be saying things like that. He should be saying, you know, words to the effect of, I've 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 been given the opportunity here with a long term contract. I'm going to put my all in, but they know they're going to go. And the and the sad thing is is we're going to end up losing the likes of Barnes and Madison for relatively peanuts when we could have got a really good amount of money for them maybe a season ago. Instead, we put them on these huge contracts and it's completely, completely messed the club up. I'll come onto the board and all of that shortly. So the fans, some some left at half-time, some left on the, when the third goal went in or whatever it was, and then, you know, when Trent scored, which was a fantastic goal, by the way. And look, there was some sarcastic chanting about us playing in Ipswich and Hull and Queen's Park Rangers next season. And a few, you know, sarcastic chants whenever Leicester had the ball of us chanting, we've, we've got the ball, we've got the ball, and then, you know, changing the song when we lose the ball. And as a fan, as a paying fan, and someone that is emotionally invested in this football club, you you have the right to boo those players, especially in this situation. I've seen it before where Leicester fans have booed at half-time and you think, come on, behave yourself, it's half-time. But at the end of the game, if you want to boo them, that's your prerogative. 
And it's also your prerogative if you want to stand and clap the players. What I'm sick of seeing right now on Twitter is the division between Leicester fans where it's like, oh, you're one of these happy clappers or no, no, you're the dickhead because you left early. You're not backing the players. You do what you want. You vent how you want to vent. Now, don't get me wrong. I think as it stands that the play- the players think, you know, the likes of James Madison and the other players in the board, they think that they're being hard done by by the fact that Leicester fans are booing or holding up banners and things like that. They're fucking getting away with it. I don't condone violence, but I tell you what, if this happened to a team in Holland, if this happened to a team in France, Spain, Italy, there would be fucking riots, there would be protests, there would be pitch invasions. Now, again, I don't say, I'm not saying that that is a good thing and that's what Leicester fans should do. You know, I saw that uh, a group of fans, a big group, I think it was about a thousand people in the end, did a march from uh, Nelson Mandela Park down to the stadium and it looked great. You know, the, there was there was smoke bombs going up, flares, whatever, all of that, the chanting, it looked absolutely fantastic. But I tell you what, these players are fucking getting away with it, big time. And one more thing before I sort of move on to, to one or two other things as well. Fans of other clubs out there, what you need to understand is, yes, historically Leicester are, they say, oh, Leicester are a yo-yo club. Well, in the 31 years that I've been a fan, I've seen Leicester relegated four times, three times out of the Premier League and once out of the Championship and then we are definitely heading for a fourth Premier League relegation. So five relegations in 31 years. I wouldn't say that's exactly yo-yoing but historically, yeah, you can look at Leicester's history and see promoted, relegated, promoted, relegated, promoted. It happens, right? And we we have always done that. And what fans of other clubs don't seem to understand is if Leicester if Leicester can't sustain 10 years in the Premier League given what has happened given the fact that in those 10 years Leicester won the Premier League we fucking won it we won the Premier League we won the FA Cup. We reached the quarterfinals of the Champions League. We played in the Europa League. To a lesser extent, we made the semi-final of the Conference League. We're not talking about a team here that has been promoted and struggled or ambled about for six or seven seasons and then eventually lost one or two good players and then you know after a couple of seasons of a relegation battle eventually they drop like for example if Everton were to go down this season you would think well do you know what they've been that's that's two seasons now they've been battling relegation 
you know, even if they stay up this season and they go down next season, you would think, well, do you know what? Third time's a charm. And Everton are gone. It was always going to happen. It's just that in the previous seasons, there's been three worst teams. With Leicester, what we're talking about here is a team that has been at the very, very top. And only last season, and it seems so far away now, at the beginning at the beginning of last season, Leicester won the charity shield. They were in Europe and they finished the season eighth. Now, that in itself is a little bit of a red herring, I'll admit, because it could have been anywhere between eighth and fourteenth. It ended up being that tight. And it just happened to be, I think we won three of the last four and we climbed our way up to eighth. So you know, it's not like we've kind of gone, been promoted and finished 17th, 16th, 14th, 12th, 14th, and then now we're in the bottom. We're talking about a team that finished 8th last season. We're talking about a team that have got the something like 7th or 8th highest wage bill in the Premier League. And if you want to talk, if you want to go back to talking about what we've won, you know, just to put that into context, some of you might be sitting there thinking, "Oh, great! So you won the Premier League and you won the FA Cup and you won the Community Shield." A number of those big clubs, and I know that Man City have been dominant. I get that, but Manchester United haven't won a Premier League in ten years. Tottenham haven't even won a trophy. The last time Tottenham won a trophy, Leicester were in League One and have been promoted twice and won the league and the FA Cup and look like they're going to go down and Tottenham still haven't won anything. I don't mean to dig on them two teams, uh, you know, in particular, but, you know, um, put it into some context here. So... If a, if a team like Leicester, who who the rest of the league were looking at as being the model club, everyone looked at, everyone outside of the big six, even some of big six, you know, even the fans of some of the big six would say to me, Christ, you are you are lucky supporting Leicester. If it, you know, even if it was just, we sign these really great players for next to nothing then make money or whether it was you've got fantastic owners our owners are a bag of shit Leicester were the model club and if Leicester with the resources that they've got or had at their disposal can't sustain 10 years in the Premier League after all of that the rest of the league must look at us and think what is the fucking point Really, what is the point? Because if we can't sustain... And and I've heard this phrase said numerous times over the last few days, and I agree with it, and I will admit I am, I am stealing this phrase a little bit. If Leicester can't sustain 10 years in the Premier League at this current time, when will we ever be able to sustain 10 years in the Premier League? It's shocking. It is absolutely shocking. And... The decline is, it's scandalous, absolutely scandalous to go from being a club that were the envy of the most of, uh, of most of the league 
to fucking relegation in the space of a in in a couple of seasons is absolutely scandalous. And in any other business, if any other business had had a decline like this, then those at the very very top, they'd be gone. They'd have been gone months ago. I don't want to criticise Top too much. He was thrust into a position in 2016, sorry, 2018, for reasons that we all know that I don't want to go over. But I'm afraid his loyalty to Brendan Rodgers has cost this club. Allowing Brendan to do certain things has cost him as well, and it's cost this football club. The fact that Rodgers ignored advice over signings from people that found Fafana, Mares, Kante, Madison, Tillemans in favour of, no, I want Yannick Vestergaard and Ryan Bertrand. I think it was really telling at the when, when, when Rodgers got sacked, only two players put something on social media to say thank you. Two players. I think more people thanked Claude Puel. And for me, he's one of the worst managers Leicester have ever had. And I've, I've said that. Said that numerous times. John Rudkin. Fuck off. Honestly. Seriously. Get out of my football club right now. You're an absolute fucking disgrace. I dread to think how much that man earns and the decisions that he has made and been allowed to make and get away with is astonishing. Giving players massive bumper contracts because they think we're going to make it into the Champions League or we're going to consistently be a European club. How fucking arrogant are you? How arrogant are you to do that? I don't want to pick on individual. Yeah, agents must agents must absolutely love us. I bet you there's an agents WhatsApp group out there, and I bet you they rip the shit out of John Rudkin because they can't believe that they go to him with a fairly average player and say the player wants a five-year contract. Also, the player wants a three-year contract and forty grand a week. I'll tell you what, we'll give him a five-year contract and 80 grand a week. How's that? Yeah, thank you. Cheers. It's absolutely astonishing. Now, there are players in the squad that were rightly rewarded for a, a better deal. Tillemans, rightly rewarded for a better deal. Madison, the same. Barnes, yes, to a degree. You know, deserves that new deal. But the arrogance, to th- the, 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 just the sheer arrogance and mismanagement of this football club from those at the top. You know, even, you know, whoever decided to get rid of Dave Rennie, the physio, you know, you should hang your head in shame. I've heard it was Rogers' idea. You know, whoever's idea it was to allow Lee Congerton to be our head of recruitment, they need their head on a spike. That guy is shocking. Absolutely shocking. Susan Whelan, what do you do? 
what do you do? And I'm afraid, Top, you're too soft. Far too soft. We'll never know if Leicester would be in this position had Vichai still been with us. But I do feel like things would have been done differently. And I know the pandemic hit King Power hard, which in turn impacts the football club. I get that. But there was opportunity to do better deals and to do better things and to make sure that this club was a little bit more sustainable. Because it all... every Everything... It, it all feeds into... it. All, all roads lead to... This mistake was made, this mistake was made, this mistake was made, which has then caused this to happen, which has then caused the club to be relegated. The perfect example is you've allowed players, you've allowed seven players to go out of contract this year. So those seven players don't really give a shit and they're gone. And because, and the reason that they don't give a shit and the reason that they've not re-signed is because at the time they probably didn't want to work for a manager like Brendan Rodgers who should have gone probably after we got walloped by Brighton. Should have gone at that point. There's too many players out there and there's too many decisions out there that have been made that have absolutely cost this football club. You know, I... I'm reading that certain players are going to be taking a 50% wage cut in the likelihood that Leicester get relegated. But we're talking about Leicester here who are quite clearly being run by fucking idiots and it just would not it would not surprise me one bit if it turns out that a number of these players do not have relegation uh, wage drop clauses because the arrogance will be We'll never get relegated. And that's another thing as well. Some of the things that come out of the club absolutely baffle me. Absolutely baffle me in terms of they seem to have no perception of what is going on. So, For, for example, giving players massive contracts because they probably thought, well, well, we'll have the money because we'll be in, we'll we'll be pushing for Europe a lot of the time. Or you know, if we don't get into Europe, then we'll get a pretty penny for Madison and we'll get a pretty penny for Barnes and all of that sort of stuff. But I just the arrogance of this football club right now. Now, I know that arranging pre-season friendlies in other countries was probably arranged months ago. But this morning, I woke to the news that... Or was it late last night? I think it was late last night. Woke, saw the news that Leicester have a pre-season friendly against Liverpool in Thailand, I think. Um, and they have a pre-season friendly against Liverpool. Uh, uh, Tottenham, sorry, in Singapore on Sunday, the some uh, the, the end of June, the last Sunday in, in, in June, effectively. Now, that is five days 
before the championship season starts. Now you can almost guarantee in the in the likely event that Leicester get relegated, you can almost guarantee that Leicester will be that Friday night game in the championship because that's the big story, isn't it? You know, Southampton go down. That's a, a reasonable sized club that have gone down. And if Leeds go down as well, you know, potentially, arguably bigger, you know, because of fan base and history and all of that. But you can almost guarantee that once the fixtures are out, home or away, Leicester will be that Friday game. If it's not us, it'll be Leeds. If Leeds go down. And the club are playing a friendly in Singapore five days before. The fucking arrogance of this football club. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's always entertaining supporting Leicester. You never know what you're going to get from one season to the next. And look, I said at the time when the season started, I thought we might struggle. And then after the first seven games, I kind of thought, wow, this is going to be a big, big turnaround. A lot of people need to be held accountable for what's happening. Brendan Rodgers, John Rudkin, Susan Whelan, top. The players. I mean, I don't even know if Dean Smith wants it anymore. You know, for him to for him to come out and say it will be an amazing achievement to keep this team in the Premier League. I'm so I'm I'm so I'm sorry, Dean. You are not dealing with a team of players that were last season in the Championship, and this is their first go at being Premier League footballers. We're talking about a team full of internationals here. We're talking about a team full of players who collectively are the eighth best played best paid players in the Premier League. We're talking about players that have played in World Cups and European Championships and in Champions Leagues and things like that. We're not talking about slouches here. Like I said, I have seen I've seen Leicester teams be relegated. And every time it's because the team have lacked the lacked quality. This team does not lack quality. And I saw something the other day that basically said, Leicester go down, it will be the most expensive um, squad ever assembled that's been relegated from the Premier League. That tells you everything. And we don't... We, don't tend to overpay on players. I mean, there's been a couple of doozers, you know, Slomani at 30 million and, and, you know, Musa, whatever he was. But our record signing still sits at 40 million, Yuri Tillemans. So it's not like we go out and spend 70, 80 million on players, but this will be the most expensive squad to have ever been relegated in, in Premier League history. Well, I guess in the history of, of, of uh, top flight English football. Um, so that tells you everything. You know, we're not talking about a team uh, full of championship players that uh, have struggled to adapt to the Premier League. You know, the first time Leicester were relegated from the Premier League, it, the Premier League was in its infancy and, 
you know, Leicester got promoted, got relegated. That's kind of what sort of happened. And then again, mismanagement from the club, losing your best players, and we end up going down in, in, in 2002. So I, I can't be having, I can't get my head around when, when, when a manager says, this will be a great achievement if I keep this, if I keep this team up. Um, look, number a number of mistakes have been made by a number of people and I could go on all day I could go on all day about this but I'm not going to because I imagine most of you are fed up because I've, I do feel like I'm repeating myself now but look whatever happens and look statistically Leicester can still stay up it is going to take some minor miracle for this to happen but statistically Leicester can stay still stay up what's more likely to happen is that by the time Leicester play Newcastle next Monday that they will all be all but relegated and defeat to Newcastle will will seal that that is more that is more than what's going to happen more than likely happen but what I wanted to say was I started this podcast by saying how much I love this fucking football club and relegation to the championship will not stop that and once the anger and the disappointment of being relegated goes those fixtures come out on the 22nd of June and I will be buzzing and I heard it earlier uh, on another podcast and it's absolutely absolutely right football is about moments it's about Cambiasso smashing it into the bottom corner when we come back against United it's Vardy scoring against United to make it 11 games in a row it's Steve Claridge hitting it off his shin and it going in in the playoff final Tillerman smashing it into the top corner FA Cup final it's even about those moments where Leicester go away to Hereford and win an all but seal promotion from League One Steve Howie's header against Leeds it's about moments if I'm at a game next season and it's not just about you know it's about it's it's you know, it's about the last minute. It's about the last minute winner away from away from home and things like that. And the fact that you've travelled, done around an eight-hour round trip, and you've seen your team win. It's a football is about moments, and you know, Leicester get a last minute winner next season and win the game. I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, that's good, but you know. Eight years ago, we won the Premier League. In that moment, I will be buzzing. And that's what it's about. And Alan Birchnell, Leicester City legend, said before, managers and players come and go, but the fans are here forever. And it doesn't matter what division this football club are in, I'll be, I'll, I will be there. But that doesn't mean that I can't, it doesn't mean that um, I shouldn't be disappointed about what is happening and how it's happened 
and the details surrounding what has happened. It's a shame. It's really sad. And look, if 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 Leicester manage to win the next two and results go their way and they stay up, you think this season was hard? Next season would be even harder with all the things that I've just mentioned. And for what it's worth, unless the club get it absolutely right in terms of player recruitment and the next manager, who for me shouldn't be Dean Smith, not that he's necessarily done anything wrong, I just don't think he should be the man to get us back up into the Premier League. The recruitment needs to be absolutely right because Leicester need to get out of the championship within two seasons or they face a real prospect of being in football in obscurity for a very, very long time. I might be in my 50s before I see Leicester play in the Premier League again. I might also see them before my 40th birthday. Who knows? Will I? Yes, it, that can happen. <laughs> well, I'm going to see them play on the last game of the season against West Ham. And do you know what? Whatever happens next week against Newcastle, I will be there on the last day of the season. And I will voice my opinion if, it, if it's needed. But I'll also be there because where else would I be? And because it's my fucking football club. So that's it. That is it. This is that's the bonus episode. That's the Leicester episode. That's how I feel. Thank you very much for listening. If you've stuck with me all the way to the end, I very much appreciate it. I thank you so much and I apologize for the bad language. But thank you.